Welcome to First Formation, a weekday podcast for high church lowlifes like me, Logan Isaac, looking to get the fuck up and pray. This is where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. A podcast for anyone who cares for soldiers and veterans enough to follow us into the mud and the suck. To hear the good news through grunts and with grunts, in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 25 To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Do not let those who wait for you to be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me want to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me, for your goodness' sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right, and teaches the humble in his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. Genesis chapter 41, verses 14 through 36. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was hurriedly brought out of the dungeon. When he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph said to Pharaoh, It is not I. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the banks of the Nile, and seven cows, fat and sleek, came up out of the Nile and fed on the reed grass. Then seven other cows came up after them, poor, very ugly and thin. Never had I seen such ugly ones in all the land of Egypt. The thin and ugly cows ate up the first seven cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known that they had done so, for they were still as ugly as before. Then I awoke. I fell asleep a second time, and I saw in my dream seven ears of grain, full and good, growing on one stalk, and seven ears, withered and thin and blighted by the east wind, sprouting after them. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears, but when I told it to the magicians, there was no one who could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, as are the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. After them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land 
the plenty will no longer be known in the land because of the famine that will follow, for it will be very grievous. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. Now therefore let Pharaoh select a man who is discerning and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to a point overseas over the land, and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plenteous years. Let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming, and lay up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for the food in the cities, and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to befall the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So by faith itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I, by my works, will show you my faith. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you, do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise, was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. Good morning and welcome to the fifth Thursday after Pentecost. Uh, this morning we've uh, jumped some scripture a bit um, and we're reading from the letter of James, um, the, the book of Genesis, and then the 25th Psalm. Um, and Genesis was a new one. I hadn't heard, I don't remember much about the, uh, the vision of the seven and seven um, just kind of fascinating. I don't know exactly how it relates to uh, faith without works, or works, I suppose. Um, although I will say that eventually when Pharaoh um, has enslaved the uh, the Israelite people, um, one of the one of the things that he's done is he's created storehouses, and that's what the slaves are building. Um, they're building storehouses for grain, um, you know, which is on on its on its face a good thing to have storehouses. Maybe not to make slaves build them, um, but he's making sure his people can eat. But it's in the same book where we get this command later. However, um, when the manna falls from heaven, you're only supposed to uh, take home as much as you need for that day the exception of the sixth day you take home double because it won't fall on Sunday and you have to eat on Sunday. 
um, or the seventh day, I suppose. And um, so it's just kind of interesting thinking about building the storehouses and doing it based on this dream. And then it's the Hebrew slaves that are building the storehouses later in Genesis. And that's kind of the setup for Moses's um, uh, vocation to have Pharaoh set them free. And then the, the letter of James, um, faith and works is, is uh, an important theme for Paul as well. And Paul lands much more on the faith side, though he never says that works is dead. Um, uh, James is, is one of those letters um, that really reminds you of the connection to this very pragmatic faith uh, that we are grafted onto of Judaism, both then and now. Um, it's, you know, it's based on the seasons and it's, it's, you know, it's about what you do. Um, and James is one of these that um, says it explicitly, look, faith without works is dead. Um, faith doesn't do anything by itself. Um, works don't save you, but works make evident the faith that has enabled those works. And even that is kind of, you know, problematic. If you think of like the prosperity gospel and, well, clearly God loves me because my work has been blessed. Um, you know, what faith means in that context is kind of kind of weird and skewed. Um, but one thing that, that it makes me think of in terms of the military is um, that my sense, um, and this is, you know, as a grunt, um, you know, light infantrymen and a paratrooper my whole six years. Um, for many people like me, and I think they constitute the majority of the military in terms of uh, not just light inf- uh, um, the combat arms and combat specialties, um, but just, you know, lower enlisted kind of people who are just, they're taught what to do and they do it. Um, the idea um, that we act and then the thought comes later or the, the rationale comes later makes me think of this passage and this theme that uh, James talks about of, of having works um, and faith being something underneath that. Um, I think that can be a problem. I think PTSD in part can be caused by not having any intellectual or moral justification for an act, just doing it, and then learning later that the act was not okay, was not morally sound. Um, I don't. Th- I think moral injury is just kind of a problematic construct, but I also think the PTSD is. Anyway, um, so this faith and works, this belief and action, the military is trained to act and to do so quickly. I mean, that's the entire basis for boot camp. You act quickly, you, you condition your mind and your body to react in a way that uh, will keep you alive in combat, that will keep other people alive in combat. Um, but that that doesn't that certainly doesn't save you. There has to be some underlying um, moral and intellectual structure to provide you know the skeleton for this for um, war fighting, I guess, or for being you know a full and complete human being. Um, that action without justice or morality or something is also dead. Um, and 
uh, that we can we bear that out in the lives of our service members and veterans. I think um, in terms of the suicide rate, um, in terms of uh, depression and anxiety and all these other social ills and homelessness, etc., um, that there's something going on um, that is depriving these people in particular of these skill sets in particular of thriving of you know being well adjusted that introducing um you know these high stakes actions and works without making sure that the the moral or intellectual or spiritual stakes are just as high training people not only what the moral structure is but to abide by it i think is very dangerous um and uh, I don't know. I, I, I got to confess also that James is one of my favorite letters, um, not just for the balance between faith and works, but also he's pretty blunt later in saying, uh, "No, I'm sorry, that's actually First John." If somebody says that they love you and they hate you, they're a liar. Anyway, um, faith and works is this thematic issue, I think, particularly for the Bible and also for us today and. Uh, hopefully we'll have more opportunity to discuss it in future readings. Spirit Whose Work is Done A poem by Walt Whitman Spirit whose work is done Spirit of dreadful hours Ere departing fade from my eyes Your forests of bayonets Spirit of gloomiest fears and doubts, yet onward ever unfaltering, pressing. Spirit of many a solemn day and many a savage scene, electric spirit. That with muttering voice through the war now closed, like a tireless phantom flitted. Rousing the land with breath of flame while you beat and beat the drum. Now is the sound of the drum, hollow and harsh to the last, reverberates round me. As your ranks, your immortal ranks, returned, Return from the battles, as the muskets of the young men lean, yet lean over the shoulders, as I look on the bayonets bristling over their shoulders, as those slanted bayonets, whole forests of them appearing in the distance, approach and pass on, returning homeward, moving with steady motion, swaying to and fro to the right and left, evenly, lightly rising and falling while the steps keep time. Spirit of hours I knew, all hectic red one day, but pale as death the next day. Touch my mouth ere you depart, press my lips close. Leave me your pulses of rage, bequeath them to me, fill me with the currents convulsive. Let them scorch and blister out of my chance when you are gone. Let them identify you to the future in these songs. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where PPUHQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll consider participating in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast with a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash firstformation slash support. You can sponsor morning prayer for Pew Pew people with as little as a dollar a month and you can cancel at any time if I piss you off. Second, 
You can become a co-host by recording a weekday lectionary reading yourself and sending it to me to be included in an episode of your choosing. Instructions for co-hosts will be provided to you directly, and you don't have to be a grunt to participate in first formation in this or any way. Finally, and most importantly, you can send me your prayer requests of a minute or less with a recording app of your choice. Prayers may be added to a morning prayer episode, aired anonymously, if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in morning prayers for Pew Pew people. I hope you'll continue to listen in and maybe even consider participating yourself. This has been Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.